Publisher Podcast, Episode 88. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been, and I felt what you're feeling, and I don't want to get in your way. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Publisher Podcast. Today I am bringing you Jen Craven, who is the author of Upmarket Women's Fiction, Where One Decision Changes Everything. The author of two historical fiction novels, Best Years of Your Life, is her debut contemporary work. She writes from Northwestern Pennsylvania, where she lives with her family. Welcome, Jen. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. So you write historical fiction. Let's talk about that first. You've got two books out. So I started in historical with my first two, um, but now I'm definitely kind of making the shift over to contemporary. This uh, My la- latest one is contemporary, and I really think that this is kind of the genre where I'm going to stick around. That's uh, two more works in progress that I'm you know plotting and drafting, and they're definitely contemporary stories as well. So when you say contemporary, you're basically writing women's fiction that are set in today's world or? Yes, yes. exactly. Exactly. What made you decide to shift from historical to contemporary? Honestly, it was just the, when the idea struck me for the story, it was a contemporary story, you know, in my head. And I was kind of like, okay, let's, you know, give it a try. And I like both. I read both, you know, very actively. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but then once I was writing, you know, the contemporary, I guess, there's a difference when it comes to research for sure. Like we're living in modern times. It's, you don't have to do that like digging of time periods and history and all of that to necessarily like build your world. So there was that element. Um, And I just kind of, I enjoyed this one a lot. So I'm looking forward to the next ones. Very cool. Do you worry at all about um, the shift in audience, having built an audience around historical fiction and then bringing them into more contemporary fiction? I think for me, um, that's not really a huge factor. I was so brand new. I'm still new, you know? Um, And I think from what I've heard and read from other authors is that it's usually not to like book three, four or something that you kind of like find your groove and find where, you know, you'll sit really well. So I think, you know, this is book three that just came out. I'm working on the next. I think I'm, you know, right exactly where I'm supposed to be. Now, obviously more established authors like could run into trouble with that. And I know that's where like pen names come in and and things along those lines, but I'm still early enough that I'm still settling in. Oh, that's cool. Well, I think about um, someone like Kristen Hanna, though, who made her name with the historical fiction, but most of the rest of her books are contemporary women's fiction. So yeah, 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 I've read several of hers. I mean, she's amazing. And yeah, she can kind of blend it a little bit too, but she's like has such a devoted readership. I think they'll read whatever she puts out. I I agree. I agree. So yeah, it's it's always a conversation that comes up. And, And it's something that I'm curious about too, because originally, I wanted to start off with historical fiction. I was working on a World War II historical fiction and kind of same as you, like the story that was really calling me was actually contemporary. Well, it's set in the late nineties and some people like to say that's not historical fiction, but I refuse to believe that the nineties is historical fiction. That's crazy. (laughs) But sometimes you just got to go where the story takes you, right? And winds up being a better book, I think anyway, when, when you go that route. Um, so originally you must have been looking towards the, um, 
towards the traditional route, correct? I was. With this book, I thought I was going to go for the agent, go for the traditional publishing deal. And I did at first. I spent um, several months querying, you know, like put all my time and effort into really researching agents and finding good fits, making my list, writing the synopsis, the whole deal, uh, which is a whole like, you know, a whole process. Yes, indeed. And, you know, I really jumped in and was excited and I had a really pretty good response right out the gates, like some requests, some folds, like all of that kind of stuff. I was super excited. Um, but just the more and more I went along and it really wasn't even that long. It was almost from the very beginning. I felt like I was doing it because I thought that's what I was supposed to do and not what really I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely pros and cons to any tr- or to any publishing path you take. But for me, my gut was always saying like, this just doesn't feel right. And so it was probably after maybe three or four months when I decided to listen to what my gut was saying, withdrew all my submissions and made the pivot to go completely indie. It was just a personal decision. It was what fit best for me with this project at that particular time. And I'm not against traditional publishing by any means. And I could see myself potentially doing it down the road. But um, I think... I think writing and publishing is such an individual process per author, but also individual process per work. And now authors have so many more avenues at their disposal and self-publishing is not what it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, So, you know, I just, I'm open to, I'm open to all of it, but for this one, I was, I ended up being very happy with my decision and I'm glad that I did what I did. And, you know, kind of something that we we have seen with some of, especially some really big names that we're hearing a lot of lately, like Colleen Hoover, um, other names like that, like, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with starting out in the indie process. Like, like you alluded to a minute ago, um, you're finding your voice in those first couple of books anyway. So the likelihood of coming out the gates with a book that is so strong and so like captivating that a traditional publisher is just going to jump out and grab it is it's not it's not super likely yeah it's extremely slim um and and you're right to the point about Colleen Hoover I mean everyone's buzzing about her clearly she has like seven books on the New York Times bestseller list but I don't think a lot of readers know her backstory I think the publishing world and the authors do but um readers might be surprised or they might not even care and that's the thing that I think is interesting is I don't really think readers care how the book comes to market. They just like a good book. Right. Um, and so, yeah, but Colleen Hoover is a great example of six, you know, success her way. She's written so many different genres. We were just talking about that across genre and she's almost hard to define. And I've read articles about her saying like, she doesn't really fit the mold, fit the box, but in a good way. Right. Well, I mean, I think one of the things we talk about a lot, so, well, shoot, where do I even start with this question? Because there's a lot of thoughts running through my head right now. But I think that um, a lot of us have this idea that our first book needs to be perfect, needs to get out there. We need to hit the New York Times bestseller with our first book or sell thousands and thousands of copies and all of that stuff. But in reality, like most of us are not trained writers. We're working on our craft. We're growing. We learn so much. Um, just, just the development in my writing that happened from the beginning to the end of writing my first novel was like monumental, but even so, you know, I go into publishing this knowing that it's, 
it's still, it's a first book by a first time author. Right. And, and I know that I will, I will grow and continue to write better. And I think that you're really onto something by just focusing on writing the books, writing the stories, getting better at your craft, getting more books into the world, growing that readership. Um, Would you agree? Totally. Um, Yes. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Like I am a much different writer than I was uh, a year ago, three years ago, when, you know, with my first book, whatever, completely different, but that's like normal. And I don't think that's something to be embarrassed about. I think that's just like, that's life. That's getting better at what you're doing. I mean, in anything, think about sports, think about acting, think about any kind of arts or creativity you're going to get better the more you do it. So it just sort of makes sense. Right. Absolutely. So um, as you're doing this indie route, let's talk about, you know, now you're about to publish your third book. And so what are some of the biggest pros and cons? We can start with either one of going the indie route for you. So for me, um, the pros were, you know, enough to make me want to take that leap and do it, which was mainly the control factor. Mm -hmm. So as an indie author, you retain all the control and all the rights to everything with your book. I, you know, was able to, you know, keep the title I wanted, the cover design that I wanted, you know, all the content, um, put it out when I wanted all, all of that. And, you know, if you go the traditional route, that's not necessarily always the case. Um, You're basically selling your book to the publisher and I'm sure in some instances, you know, it's a great relationship and a great experience, but I've also talked to some writers that it wasn't and that they, you know, they didn't like their cover or, you know, all of that kind of stuff and they didn't really have much of a say. So for me, it was definitely control and a a big one too was the timeline because traditional publishing is notoriously slow and I'm not necessarily a uh, crazy patient person. So I was sort of like, you know, this I'm ready for this. And this book is ready in this project. So I wanted to get it out quicker than what the traditional timeline was going to allow. And so those were two of the huge pros. Um, Definitely cons as well. It's a huge learning curve. If you're going to do everything yourself, you're like a one person show. Um, It's like a crash course in, in small business ownership and you're in charge of everything. Now, of course, like, you know, a self-publisher can hire out services, a cover designer, a formatter, um, marketing, publicists, all of those sorts of things. I didn't. I was able to do a lot of it on my own because I had that skill set, which was great for me, but that's not something I would recommend to someone unless you have those skills. So I really think one of the biggest things about um, self-published books is to make sure that your cover really stands out. And if you don't have design skills or know anything about Adobe or, you know, those sorts of programs, don't, don't take a stab at it. You know, it's worth it to spend the money to get someone to do it, you know? So you know, I would even go a step further and say, unless you've been trained in book cover design, true. I would, I would stay away from it because one of the things that I've noticed is that, um, that a lot of authors don't do the research that they need to be doing on what is in currently in the marketplace and performing well like they have an idea and I consider myself in this in this category as well with my first book I had an idea for what I wanted and I I actually did hire somebody but again I knew nothing about book publishing at the time so when someone said they could do a cover design I assumed they knew what they were doing lo and behold I learned that not all even people who can make a book cover, really understand book covers. And there's so many elements to include, like what is really, you know, just the the type of 
font that's chosen, yeah. um, how yeah. it's laid out, where where the title is versus images. You know, there's there's so many factors to that. So yeah, I would so many. I I would like. I'm so fascinated by cover design. <laughs> I follow some designers, like, and just I think I think it's such an art and so fascinating to like look at them, compare and the trends. But you're so right. Like, it has to match. Um, the genre has to match what's out there now. And yeah, that's a big part of it. So beyond the, um, beyond making your cover stand out, which really, really is important because you get that like 0.3 seconds when someone's scrolling through book covers to decide whether or not they want to click on your book. What are some of the other things that you've done to make your indie books stand out from the masses? Because historical fiction, huge. Contemporary fiction, huge. Like there's millions of books in these things totally. in these categories the cover really it like you said is number one and I spent a lot of time doing the research and making sure I was very happy with it um the other thing that I would uh, recommend to indie authors is to try to get some author blurbs mm. on your cover so that's going to require reaching out to people that are in your genre um whether they're in your community and you know them already or whether they're kind of people that you aspire to um, it doesn't hurt to just send a message. And, you know, as long as it's a very professionally written, you know, request that, you know, I'll send you a copy. Would you be willing to read in blurb that kind of stuff? But nowadays it, you don't see covers without blurbs. I mean, a lot of them don't even have back cover plot summaries. It's just a list of blurbs, which that's a whole nother conversation, whether you right. like that or not, but it's something that we've kind of gotten used to. And when you see a book cover that like doesn't have any of those sort of shout outs or recommendations, it makes you go, hmm, like, hmm. what is, what is this, you know? So, yeah, I do um, know, actually, I was, I was researching for one of our authors not too long ago. So I went to some similar books to look on the back cover to see how they did their description on the back page. And I saw that to be very true too, that most of the, the big name authors, it's, it's just blurbs on the back. Right. There's no description at all of the book. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously like hard covers with a dust jacket, you know, right. the, 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 the cover copy will be on the inside dust jacket. Um, but paperbacks, once those come out, yeah, like if you're a big enough name, people are going to read it. They don't almost don't care what it's about. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so yeah, I would definitely encourage like, see if you can get one or two blurbs and, and use that for your marketing, use it for your covers, make sure you have a really professional headshot, uh, you know, on a solid background, good lighting that makes a big difference too. Yeah, I would agree. So um, what are some of the things that you have done to build your author platform and to market your book out there? Social media has been great for me. I I had a, you know, a small following, maybe like a thousand people or something on Instagram. And then I've really worked to build that up. And I'm sharing, you know, reviews of the book and I'm sharing, you know, reader responses, those sorts of things. But I've also like had a lot of fun with reels. Oh, so yeah. I know some people are scared of the videos. They're scared of, you know, putting their face out there. And I've just had so much fun with it. There's so many things you can do with books that are trying to market your book, but also market you as an author and tap into that author community, the readers, like funny stuff, things that are just relatable. So um, that's been really fun for me. And I think that that's kind of gotten my cover out there a little bit and, and helped. So one of the biggest questions we get from our audience, and, and I feel this right now too, um, I'm launching my first novel. I've been, I've done many nonfiction books and I feel like this is just so different. And I do feel that the, the compelling need to be on social media and using Instagram. 
what I'm struggling with is time balance and, you know, creating some of those things takes a lot of time. What's, what's your, do you have a system? Like, do you have a dedicated time where you spend on, on social media or how, how exactly are you doing this? Not a dedicated time. Uh, I have three small children and so I'm busy with them as well. Obviously the school year is helpful, but summer, not so much. Right. Um, (laughs) So for me, I try to really not make it like a pressure system where I feel like I have to post something every day or I have to film something, a reel every day. It's when I think of something or see something that would work, I save it or I'll do it if I have a couple minutes but I'm not trying to make this like a must do sort of thing. Sometimes if I have like several ideas, I'll batch record. And so I'll, you know, maybe make three and then save them and, you know, come back. You've been posting something for a while and you're kind of like, Oh, I don't have anything to post. Like, Oh, I made that real like a couple of weeks ago and, you know, save it in your drafts and it's there. So whenever the creativity strikes is when I do it, but I don't really make it a pressure thing. And I think that's how you keep it fun, right? Exactly. When it's a pressure thing, then it's like, oh my gosh, I haven't posted today and I didn't post yesterday. Yes. And I hate this. Yes. <laughs> and there's sometimes when I'm like, my creativity is really high and I've got tons of fun ideas. And, and then there's other times where I'm like, I have nothing. And I, you know, and then you think like, I'll never make anything good again or whatever, but it comes back. It's like an up and down. Absolutely. Have you made much of an effort with um, advanced readers and um, and building that kind of thing? And, and if so, what what if, what steps have you taken for that? Yeah, so my ARC readers this summer were great. I reached out to them and being an indie author, I had a much shorter time frame, like launch period, you know, traditional publishing, you have a year or more, right. you know, I had, I gave myself like three or four months, which is much, much shorter, but it was still manageable. That was my choice and I had the control over that. And so I reached out to probably, I would say maybe eight or 10 um, ARC readers that were in my author community who got an early advanced copy and read, reviewed, sent me blurbs, all of that um, sort of stuff. Um, So yeah, that was really great. And that's super important for any any author, but definitely if you're going to do it yourself and self-publish, like build that into your timeline. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So what other, um, you know, we've discussed a whole lot of things. Is there, do you have any tips that we haven't covered that you'd really like to share with authors? I think just like really following your gut is super important in this, in this whole industry. And in this process is, you know, writing what makes you happy and you enjoy, because otherwise it, you kind of take the joy out of it, you know? So if you're doing it because it's a passion, great. If you're doing it to make money, that's also great, but you have to kind of find that balance, you know? So for me, I'm always reminding myself of that and being proud of how far I've come and trying not to compare to other people. So that, you know, it's tough, but the comparisonitis is definitely a, a problem. Comparison is a killer. That's for absolute sure. Um, all right. Well, where do people connect with you, find you, follow you, get your books, all those good things. So I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me at Jen Craven author. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, a little bit of TikTok. I'm trying to kind of work my way in there, but Instagram is definitely my sweet spot and where I spend most of my time. My website is www.jencraven.com. You can buy my books there, signed copies, find out what I'm doing, what I'm working on. Um, and I always like to really promote indie bookstores. So if you go to bookshop.org, you can request um, my books from any of your local favorite bookstores in your town. And um, 
you know, support local, shop small. Yes. Support local, yeah. Absolutely. Just a plug on that. So many authors have been having mega, mega, mega challenges with the big A word. So, um, you know, that site is is definitely um, causing some issues. Definitely support bookshop.org. And one of the best parts about bookshop.org is they're a nonprofit and they give money back to the local bookstores. And goodness knows since COVID, they have been struggling. So I think sometimes readers don't realize like, yes, Amazon is very easy. It's a one click and you get it in two days and that's great. But can you wait like a couple more days and get it, you know, in a different manner and still, it's still the same product, just as easy, a click away. Um, So definitely that's, that's my recommendation. And supports people that need it a whole lot more than the other one. <laughs> I'm trying not to use the A word right now. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. Amazon serves its purpose and 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 has made a huge difference in the lives of many, many indie authors. But there are other options too. So, yep. well, thanks, Jen. This has been awesome. I really appreciate your time and your insight. I always love digging into the brains of other authors and seeing what's happening. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. You don't have to give me your heart. You don't have to give it away. You don't got Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.